Hola, hello. Thank you for tuning in to Mujeres in the Know. Hey everyone, it's Natalie here, your host, and I'm so excited to bring you guys a new episode. This is episode two of season three, and this podcast is all about featuring women in the Rio Grande Valley of South Texas who have a story to share or who have done or are doing something for the community. Our special guest for this episode will be Samantha Trigos, and she's a founder of Glow Gang Co. So you might wonder, why did they choose the name Glow Gang? Well, she would often find herself commenting on other girls' posts, you glow girl, and say, of you go girl (laughs) whenever they were a step forward towards their goal a new mommy a milestone or a streak of fitness so that's how the name glow gang co came about for this episode we're going to get to know samantha better she's going to tell us all about glow gang co what they do what they're all about and not only that we're going to talk about something they feel very strong about which is breaking free of cultural stigmas so let's get started hey samantha thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast i'm so excited that you said yes to be a guest and get to know you better better hear your story and find out how Glogan Co. got started and what you guys do, what you guys are all about, and how we can get involved and participate in the movement that you and the Mujeres of Glogan Co. have going on. So can you tell us a little about how Glogan got started, Samantha, and who has contributed to the collective and what was the inspiration behind creating it? So first of all, Natalie, thank you so much for having me on. And it's an honor to be in your podcast amongst all the amazing women that you have showcased here in our from our Valle. So I'm, I feel very proud that you're doing this. Thank you for having me. Um, Glock & Co. actually started last year, um, a little bit before the pandemic. It started, you know, it was a process. It didn't just sprung out of nowhere, but it was the climate that we were in when George Floyd was killed and when Vanessa Guillen was missing. Um, it was in that climate that I decided to to name this project Cloak and Co and make sure that our voices were being heard as brown people of color, right? Um, also because I see that we have a lot of cultural stigma and a lot of cultural taboos when it comes to talking to about black people. And I felt like we needed to be included in the conversation and to say, you know what, I am not racist. There is a lot of colorism in my culture and I do not like this. Uh, So just to backtrack a little bit, I started a blog um, about moms. In the beginning of 2020, I started a mom blog and it only has like three, four blogs. So it's not something Mm -hmm. major. Uh, I don't do that anymore. But it was when the political climate started rising and the killing of George Floyd happened and we started seeing all these protests. I was like, you know what? I just don't want to write about moms. I just don't want to write about this. I want to make sure that I can come Combine the two things that I care about, which is the future that will be for our community, the future for our children that we leave behind. And uh, of course, motherhood, because that is a huge part of my life now. Um, but that's how it was born. So it was kind of for- merging my own experience of being a mom and my hardships of being a mom and having to deal with the cultural stigmas of what a mom should be and what she should feel and how she should treat her kids. It was a lot to do and I couldn't find a way for me to to see what was right for me and my family. I was always just asking, okay, what do I do instead of looking internally and do that instead. And when I launched Plug and Co, it was to bring in cultural awareness about our stigmas and also join the movement for equality. Wow. Awesome. I didn't know all that. Thank you for sharing that, Samantha. Of course. The next question I have for you is, uh, next, can you tell me a little about yourself? Where were you born and raised? And how has your experience been living out of the Rio Grande Valley? 
So I was actually born in Rio Bravo, uh, Tamaulipas. That's right across the border. I went to school there up until fifth grade, and then I moved to Mission ISD. Um, because I moved to Mission ISD, I had to repeat fifth grade. This is actually a very long story. It was very hard for me to adjust coming from an all Spanish school, an all Spanish community, a different culture, even though we were right across the border, to, to coming to Mission ISD, which was like on Conway and Mile 7. I don't know if you've seen that school that's right there. It's called Salinas Elementary. I went to that school and I felt so alienated. I was put in an ESL class and I found people that spoke Spanish, but even then it, they were so different than my culture. They were so different than my day-to-day -day life and I hated it. <laughs> I hated being in the United States. I hated that I didn't understand anything. I did lunch. I felt it was disgusting. Like I didn't understand how people enjoyed this. And I loved the United States when I would tourist, but not when I when I started going to school. Um, then it didn't take me long. I fell in love with, with learning. I fell in love with all the different activities. I was able to do arts and crafts after school. I was able to do karate, uh, so many different things uh, that in Mexico you have to pay for. If you want to do something in arts and crafts, your parents have to bust their butts to take you to the cultural arts museum or the plaza, whatever it is in your community, in, in that municipality, to make sure that you have those different experiences you write to um, open up your creative side uh, and in the United States it was just a given so there was like this whole opportunity of learning that I just fell in love with as uh, I've been in the United States since then and I am an immigrant I went to La Jolla ISD shortly after that actually a year after the admission ISD and I've graduated from La Jolla ISD in 2011. I received a full scholarship, full rights scholarship to UTPA, um, as it was formerly known, right? I was so grateful, you know, I worked at a mall kiosk, you know, without proper documentation sometimes. I worked at the flea market. I hustled, I flipped money, I bought earrings and sold them for twice the cost, you know, just to pay for my gas, pay for my books, pay for whatever I needed to pay because um, there was no money back then. Now I'm grateful that my parents are doing much much better financially but back in the day that wasn't the case and if you wanted to do something then you needed to figure it out a way for you to pay just your lunch or your gas or your car because if you didn't have any of those things there was no way so since the beginning I knew that tienes que echarle ganas no matter what if you want to reach some goals you have to start working on them and meet them halfway so that whenever those dreams come come to your grasp you can just reach for them you know you're ready for them you won't pass by these opportunities but now uh Fast forward a couple of years, uh, more years later, uh, I married my husband in 2017 and then had my son in 2018. And we've been moving a lot since we got married. So we've lived close to Fort Worth and I worked at Charleston State University. I loved my experience there. It was completely different. It was primarily white culture and I was the exotic one there, you know, the Mexican <laughs> one. So it was, a, it was nice to see what people are like and how people treat you and I was surprised that you know hey people are kind no matter their skin color I was able to befriend black people to befriend white people and in the valley you don't really get that you know it's just there's no diversity when it comes to like that it's just Mexican people that don't know how to speak Spanish sometimes and that was your white people in the valley growing up I loved having that opportunity to see the diversity and learn from others people's cultures and learn kindness more than anything but that's one of the things that I've learned that 
no matter where I move. Um, there's mean people, there's kind people everywhere, but I, I always find those good people to hang with and that, that guide me through through whatever I'm going, like motherhood or whatever it is. Uh, right now, I am living in Arizona. For the meantime, um, because we moved with my husband's job, due to the pandemic, I stopped working and I haven't gotten back. So that's when... Logan Co. was born out of my time of being at home and me trying to create something that was important to me. Wow, Samantha, <laughs> that's amazing. It just makes me understand more how Glowgang Co. got started. Everything you've been through and, you know, as a young girl and growing up just shaped you into the woman you are now. So that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Of course, it's been an eye-opening to live in so many places. So I've lived in, of course, in McAllen and then being in Mission and going to La Jolla and being in Mission ISD and going to all these schools and living in Mexico. And then I took this opportunity when I was in college to go to Houston as when I was working. Um, I was already, I had already received my, my DACA permit, work permit. So I was able to go to Houston and work there for like a year with some marketing firm. And I was, because of that, I was able to travel to Minnesota. I was, I was able to travel to California, to so many other different places, even here in just Austin and Dallas. Like I didn't have those opportunities, but I always opened up myself to learning. Um, and I feel because of that, I'm able to sometimes bring perspective just because I've met people from different places. And I love that. Yes, thank you so much. And the next question I have is about motherhood. As a mom, what would you say has been the biggest challenge that you faced? And what's the biggest challenge you have overcame? My biggest challenge as a mom, I think it's not looking for answers within, always looking for answers uh, in the outside, right? My doctors, when I became pregnant, I took a pregnancy, a newborn class at the hospital that I was going to deliver. So I would go once a week for, I think it was two months. And it was just basically about CPR and about uh, how to take care of your baby. I was so paranoid. Uh, <laughs> I was so paranoid that when the kid got here, I was going to drop him. I was going to kill him by accident. I was so paranoid that I wouldn't be a good mom. And then once I felt confident, enough I started worrying about okay what about me who's gonna take care of me because I was 400 miles away from home I didn't have my quarantena which is like you know your quarantine time after pregnancy for the women in your tribe to take care of you to nurture you and help you bring you back to health which is kind of known in our Hispanic culture um, you know some friends that I know get to stay with their moms or their tias and everyone brings some caldo or whatever it is um, so I didn't have that because I was so far away so I, I was just dumped with a little baby and my body hurt and my husband went back to work and it was just it was just a, a shock it was just a shock I think because of that of not having a tribe that actually sent me into a path of postpartum anxiety which I was diagnosed by my doctor almost a year later after having my son um so for me the biggest shock was not being prepared my biggest problem in motherhood was not looking for answers within instead of just looking outwards into what society would tell me to do I struggled so much with my son when he turned 15 months or so Sometimes people call them the terrible twos, the terrible threes. I never like to refer it that way. But I was like, no, the terrible twos never happened to me. It was like way before the two-year-old mark. <laughs> I'm like, this kid started throwing tantrums and throwing himself on the floor and hitting. And I just didn't know what to do. And the first response was like, okay, what do I do? My doctor told me, his pediatrician, when I was in the valley visiting, she was like, you know what? You need to take charge. Just because my son was like all over the place in the little consultation room. Because like, man, 
night and I was like, hey, what are you going to do? And I was already so frustrated that I couldn't understand the doctor because my little 18 month old was just like moving and squirming like a little worm in my arms, you know, like all kids do. She started, she like snapped at him like that, clapped her hands. My son, of course, he's scared and she's like, this is what you have to do. You have to look him in the eye, clap him, talk to him loudly and let him cry. And if he throws a tantrum, just walk over him and go to the other room and just ignore him. And I thought that was so evil, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? My son is quiet right now and he's scared. I actually started crying in there. The doctor, I guess I'll do it. You know, he's listening. He's sitting down. I'm going to do this because here's this doctor with a PhD. She's a mom and she has kids that love her. And she says this worked for her. So I'm going to do that. I did it for like a week and a half. And then the kids started reciprocating. Can you believe that? He started clapping his hand back at me. Kids are so smart. And then he was like, hey. You know, like that smacking his hands. I'm like, why did the world am I seeing this kid? This is not okay. And then it, there's always the other response of my parents, you know, uh, pegale, hit him, bank him. You know, my parents were not violent. We never had any sort of physical punishment. I remember towards me, mainly it was towards the boys because my little brother did used to have a lot of tantrums growing up. So I didn't know what was the way for me to parent my child. So when you talk about when, when I brought Logan Co, this motherhood aspect is so important because that's when I learned about empathy. And sometimes we hear about empathy and it's like, what is that? You know, or yes, of course, I'm empathy. I care about people. But it's like, it's more than that. You know, it's about the way that you treat yourself and you treat others, the way that, that you raise your kids so that they can control themselves instead of you trying to control them and putting yourself in their shoes and seeing things within their perspective. So that changed my life. Whenever I prayed to God one day, I was like, God, please, just I don't know what to do anymore. I felt so out of touch with my life. I felt I didn't know who I was anymore, obviously, because I was a mom. I didn't know what I needed to wear, what I needed to look. And also at the same time, I had just moved from my job at this other university to Victoria, Texas. And then this is where I was able to stay at home with my son. So that's when I noticed all these behavior patterns that he was getting, all these tantrums. I didn't even know what to do with myself <laughs> after working my butt off since like 17 years old, right? So I didn't know what to do with myself. And then I'm here alone with this child that I don't know. I mean, of course, we had fun. I have a lot of little activities that I did with him for learning but when it came to teaching him how to behave I did not know how to do that um, because I was trying to do what everybody around me did and all the stories that I will look in my past of the way my cousins were raised or they were treated not raised but the way they were treated when they misbehaved I, I knew that I didn't want to do that I knew that I didn't want to humiliate shame or fear or give rewards as for good behavior um, and then once I felt like sometimes and I talked about this on Glock and Co so much I felt like just my life felt worthless so at the end of the day when my husband was sleeping when my child finally went to sleep I was like why why am I even here like does and does any of this even matter and I had suicidal thoughts I never did anything to myself because this is where my anxiety would also save me from my suicidal thoughts. Be like, you know what, Samantha? There's nobody better than you to raise this kid. And if you can do a good job, nobody else will do a good job because you already know the way that these people are telling you to treat him. And for you, it's not working. So I was like, okay. And then I just... <sighs> Right. And then you just like, okay, I'll just do better tomorrow. I'll try again. Like I'm going to have a positive mindset. I'm going to think different. And then I prayed to God and I was like, you know what? Please just send me something. Send me someone. Just don't fix things for me, but help me find this resource to find a better solution for my parenting problem right now. And he did. He listened. Uh, and I say this a lot. I don't go to church, but I have a lot of faith. I pray every single day. My toddler prays every single night. I have a lot of faith and that's just a personal relationship that I have with God. So when 
I prayed, God listened. And sure enough, it happened as an Instagram ad or a Facebook ad, I remember, and I signed up for this parenting course. And it was called the Fresh Start Family Course. And I don't remember the name of the girl, but she was doing a, a five-day free mini parenting course on Facebook. There were five little videos, and they just taught about mindset, about empathy, about kneeling down and seeing your kid in the eyes and acknowledging their behaviors, acknowledging the feeling of their behaviors, and then moving on together from it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, this sounds like <laughs> this is not going to work. And then I tried it, and it did, and it made like a huge difference in our lives. I started asking my toddler for questions instead of demanding he do this, he do that, get up from here, no corra, bájate. You know, all these demands every single day, like, I wouldn't want to be treated that way. So whenever I changed my mindset about that, I was like, okay, there's something here that moms need to know about. So that's when I started writing about my blog. And then I was like, you know what? Empathy is not just when it comes to kids. This mindset is not just when it comes to kids. It's about our community. It's about race. It's about the way that our cultural belief system, putting all these walls against ourselves and caging ourselves into these beliefs and these traps about, you know what? Postpartum depression doesn't happen to people just like white women in the United States you know that's something that I've heard you know as Mexican como a nosotros no nos pasa eso no sé por qué las mujeres tienen esos pensamientos no sé cómo pueden matar a sus hijos like I get it I understand where the Mexican women are coming but if you think about it if you think about it just go back to all your tias the way that they like picture them and it's like they were hysterical they would yell at their kids they would snap over anything yes. That's postpartum anxiety. That's postpartum depression. That's not yes. dealing with it. It's like, it's not that you didn't deal with it. It's just that you didn't have a term for it. But everybody dealt yeah. with it the same. And they were just shamed for the way that they were being. And obviously these moms were alienated and misunderstood, of course. And they see it now. And I don't say any of this to shame anybody because I don't think that now and we're in a decade, like I said, that information came to me through an Instagram ad. If I was a mom 10 years ago, that Instagram wouldn't have been there. You know, that Instagram ad wouldn't have been there. So it's like we're in a day and age where information is available. So that's like being misinformed, being stuck in just this box of beliefs, it's no longer acceptable. You have to do better for yourself and for your kids. And that's, that's the mission behind Cloak and Co. as well. So empowering women, empowering Latinas to break free of our cultural stigmas. Like, and it all comes down just to the basic of the way that we're being raised, having empathy with our kids, having that mindset as parents. That, you know what? My kid is acting like a three-year-old. Chill. <laughs> I tell my husband all the time, you know what? He's acting like a three-year-old, right? And he's like, yeah, he is. And it's like, okay, we are not perfect ourselves. We make mistakes all the time. Why can't we have that grace with other people and our children as well? Yes, you said that perfectly. <laughs> Thanks, Samantha, for sharing that. And speaking of uh, cultural stigmas, I know you said you hope other Latinas break free of cultural stigmas. What change would you hope to see in the Latinx culture? And then not only the Latinx culture, but the Mexican culture in the next generation? So the next generation, I love this question. So when you read this question, I'm like, oh my God, it gives me chills because we actually just launched a shirt on the side and it says, we're the ones that we've been waiting for. So we're the ones we've been waiting for. Like when you think about that, it gives me chills too. Like um, the change that you want to see, it starts with you, right? It starts at home. It starts at our dinner tables. The change that I hope to see in the future for my son is that there's inclusion, that everybody is included, that people are not alienated for their beliefs, for their color, for their sexuality, for whatever preference they have at the end of the day, they're humans, um, whatever beliefs, religious beliefs, or not, no religious beliefs whatsoever, right? That people are not shamed 
for that and that we can just accept people for who they are instead of just having all these name calling and this hatred or bias. One of the things that I see a lot in our culture is polarizing, polarization of beliefs, right? It's either you're blue or you're red or you're white or black, or like there's no in between. I mean, we've been taught to have opinions, like we don't have any neutral thoughts. So I guess that comes out in our cultural belief system because that's the way we were raised to be. We have no neutral thoughts. So if you think about that, it's like, okay, who put those thoughts there, right? So I hope that the next generation can really be conscious of their belief system. And I see it so much now, especially on Instagram now with our following and the girls sharing their journey through mental health and their trying to break free of their own cultural stigmas. They're going to therapy, they're journaling, they're writing down a thought or a feeling that doesn't sit well with them. And they're like, why doesn't this sit well with me? And then they go deeper into that. And I love seeing more of that. I don't think there is enough of it yet, but it is a movement that is starting and I hope that we can continue to carry. That's what I hope that to see people trying to analyze their belief system, kind of work backwards. Sounds great. Thank you, Samantha. Mm -hmm. And the last question I have for you is if you could give advice to someone who is about to enter motherhood and is feeling alone or unprepared, what would you want them to know? Um, Feeling unprepared when it comes to having your baby, you can learn up to when the baby gets here. Once the baby gets here, it's completely different. I do recommend reading books about postpartum. I read the fourth trimester book. It has a lot of Ayurveda, I think I'm saying it right, or wrong Ayurveda healing practices. And I learned a lot about that, um, about to take care of myself, about eating hot foods, about wrapping my body. So I bandaged my body for like three months so that my organs could go back in place. I had warm foods. You know, I tried to do a lot of these things, but at the end of the day, you can prepare yourself as much as you can. But whenever that baby gets here, it's going to be completely different, but it's not going to hurt for you to read those books. What I will say is just don't read the books that are like, okay, my husband gave me this book for Christmas, you know, it's called Shit They Don't Tell You About Babies or something. I read like the first three pages and then I just put it away. Like I could not read it because it was about, you know, fast forward life in real motherhood, about how hard it is. I was like, I don't want to read this right now. Like, I don't want to know about this right now because I was not in a headspace that I could handle it. You know, like that would have gotten me so anxious. So it's like whatever information you are reading, just know that you can stop at any time. And if it doesn't fit comfortable, like fit well with you just don't read it and read something about how to take care of your body postpartum and who do you need to have around you what kind of people are going to be there to support you do you want to set up a meal train um so people can maybe bring you food throughout the week and you know maybe organizing that and making sure that you have that i think that is the best advice i can give you because i did not have it and i ended up being so anxious all the time plus my baby was sick a lot when he was a newborn he was sick a lot i'd be in the doctors like every other week for this or that and when he started daycare at three months that was even worse so i i do recommend that you one you do get prepared maybe take one of those um classes at the hospitals they're usually about 25 dollars. get yourself educated uh about what to do when your baby gets you like about changing diaper i did not know how to do that <laughs> so yeah. I, things like that but my main thing is just knowing that you can do it you know trust your instincts trust your motherhood instincts look for answers within and if you don't know something if somebody's telling you to do something with your kid or that you're doing something wrong 
own, ask yourself if it's true and kind of just question those belief systems that everybody throws at you because it might not be the best thing for you. It might work for their families, but it not, might be the best thing for you and that's okay. Um, always just do what feels right with you and postpartum anxiety is real. Postpartum depression is real. Feel, having the baby blues is real. Hating your body after having a baby is real. Having so many stretch marks and having flaccid skin for months and losing your hair, all of that is going to happen. All of that is going to happen. It sounds scary, but it's real. And we need to be more open about those things because it was a shock for me, honestly. The women around me would be like, well, it's, that's what comes with being a motherhood. You know, kind of like that, instead of being empath empathetic towards me, it was just like, well, this is what you got yourself into. Like, welcome to the club, right? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. um, we need to lift each other up again. So pick your tribe, get yourself educated and have faith in God that you can do this and trust yourself. Everything you're doing with the Glow Gang Co, it, you're already ending a cultural stigma, I feel, by talking more about what we go through as mothers. And I just really applaud you for that because that's very hard to do. And I feel that you're already, you're doing that. And I just want to say thank you because, oh, well, you know, the, the you next generation, yeah, they need to hear these things. They need to be, like you said, educated and aware of what goes on and as a, especially in the Mexican culture and the Latinx culture. Thank you so much for that. Honestly, it is a collaborative effort. We call Glogan Co. a Latino collective. So we always have people to help us um, with all sorts of topics, especially mental health. That is the biggest stigma that I feel is in our Latino culture, in our Mexican American culture. I've lived this first time in my family and I've seen the effects of the lack of support in our community, both in funds and resources to the existing resources and the limitations that they have to provide mental health services. So I hope that that is one of the changes that I see in our community but we've had a lot of help from our local psychologists and mental health counselors here in the valley such as the anxiety doctor that's Dr. Lisa Cortez and then we have coffee with counselors and then the self-love therapist and and also inner solace therapy which is Valerie Rivera and they have been so amazing to always provide insight in a post that I want to do or a blog and even students that have their MEDs degrees here from universities across Texas and they've helped us to write a different array of topics about mental health to bring more information that has sources or that is working for them and we have all this information available in our blog to you at no cost and you can learn about the cycle of abuse about your mental health about uh, how eating affects your mental health so it's always been a collaborative effort and I'm so happy that our community is able to get together to, to make a greater impact and aside from them it's not only just me running Glock and Co about myself I do have my partner Jocelyn Salinas uh, she's a teacher and she tries so hard to be present for Glock and Co as well and she's a mother of two now so it's hard for us with all of our current responsibilities to take charge of Glock and Co but we're getting better at it <laughs> so we're so thankful for everyone here in our community that helped us put out um, this great content. Thank you so much, Samantha, for being an amazing guest and for sharing your story with us and, and telling us all about the Latina mama-owned online shop from the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. If you would like to check them out, they have empowering t-shirts, mugs, and more. You can find them on Instagram at GlowGangCo. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Mujeres in the Know podcast. It's Natalie here, your host, and stay tuned next week to find out who the guests will be. And remember to please stay safe out there. Cuidado, por favor. And I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye and adios.